Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Rob, and mine are also he and him. And welcome to episode 199 of this fucking podcast. Um, uh, It shouldn't have gone on this long, but we can't stop now. Um, So just a quick announcement before we kick off, because I know lots of people fucking bail out as soon as we say the words, let's play comment or commentary at. So you get to hear (laughs) the plug this time. Or when we say our names and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will be having a week off next week because, as I've just said, we've done 199 of these fucking things and that's, that's enough to earn a break. So we'll be taking that off so that we can go yeah. work on the special project, which is episode 200, which will be out the following week. Um, in the meantime, though, you can harass us on the Discord and you can do that with a Patreon subscription. So... If you're so inclined and would like to join us in the run-up to episode 200, you can do so on the Discord through Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. With the plug out of the way, um, Rob, what's, what is going to be your fault this week? Um, well, many many things as usual. Um, so very specific ones, I think, as uh, as as a vile European. Uh, but that that's for the main topic. Uh, no, the first the first thing is I've <laughs> I've 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 found like a new like uh, 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 mutant in the world of landlordism that popped up in the Evening Standard last week. Um, oh mm-hmm. no. It's it's in an article called "Meet the Rent Lord," which is a it's a it's a. <laughs> The rent lord. Oh, this is just fucking. This is the. This is one of the shit Jurassic Park films. This is people who fucking rent in London while owning property in the north, isn't it? I mean, I was gonna say Kylo rent, but that's probably a little bit too too low brow for this podcast. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it is exactly that. Marlo, Basically, actually. what you're what what you're doing is a. a, a what what you're doing as a rent lord is uh, making life worse for everybody else because you want or feel that somehow you need to have the London lifestyle. Um, so what you do is you pay extortionate rent in London, but in order to in order to be able to afford that, you are a landlord somewhere else, say Nottingham or something, as well as the examples used in the article. So what you're doing is exporting like London price inflation out to the rest of the nation, and isn't that lovely and cool? I love to stand on the ladder and peer over the top but not quite climb it and then pull it up behind me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, it's, I think it, it's technically standing on the ladder and setting fire to it behind you, you know? Yeah. Um, you're, just, you're, is, just, you're blocking anyone else's progress up the ladder, which I suppose is good, but at the same time, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, this is Katie from London. Uh, I'll, I'll quote you a bit from the article. When her sister decided to sell a bed, two-bedroom flat in 2020, uh, Katie, the digital editor for The Boutique Handbook, decided she tried to buy it. As a first-time buyer buying a buy-to-let property, I needed a deposit of 25%, uh, which, I managed, which I managed using my savings and some help from my parents. Hooray. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, her also, by the way, as if I understood the article correctly, uh, her mom and dad still live locally. I think it's Nottingham in this case, uh, and they act basically as like the uh, the tenant's first point of contact. So it's not the landlord. It's like you have to call it the landlord's mom and dad. <laughs> A fail child landlord. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, absolutely fantastic. We just call them fail lords. Like this is just cut, cut out the middleman. 
I mean, it's a sort of, it's a reinvention of like the Stella Creasy thing of like, don't talk to me if you're not in my constituency. It's like, don't talk to me. You have to talk to my mum first about, you know, the fact that the fucking shower doesn't work. Um, anyway, but she's like, only going to go in there with her arms like full of fucking avocado and toast to try and fix it though. So you can see why her parents are doing that. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, but don't worry. Like this, of course, it's the evening standard. So all of this is painted in like an ex- extremely flattering light. Um, like, um, rent lords are supposed to be more sympathetic to their tenants because they pay rent themselves, so they know what it's like to have the hardship of <laughs> you know being a tenant on them. And yet, of course, <laughs> yeah, I, kind of, I could say. Um, and also, this doesn't. The article later on also specifically says, yeah, that's not going to stop uh, these people from passing on their own rent increases uh, to their to their tenants in turn. So, like I said, it is. Alexa, this is just, what is the cycle of abuse? Yeah, 100%. Uh, There were some lovely numbers, by the way, also in it as well. Apparently, the average house price in London is now uh, just a hair over £530,000, and it's 163000 on average in the Northeast. So, you know, just think of the amount of exploitation you could do by, like, arbitraging between those two house prices. Like, think of of how much of a massive shit you could get to be. This is actually quite... This is quantitatively worse than just having like a regular London landlord, because this adds more layers of profit extracting, you know, extraction that, that have to happen. I nearly said e- exploitation, and then decided to say extraction, but it's the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, what what kind of cut are a mom and dad getting? Well, uh, yeah, right, yeah. Article doesn't specify, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, like truly, truly spectacular, incredible behavior of just. Yeah, just, you know, wanting to, seeing how miserable life is and then just making it worse for everybody. Just truly. Yeah, we've outsourced the pocket money to the misery factory. Well, isn't 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 this a British way, though? Like, you catch abuse and then you roll it downhill on the next guy to make yourself feel better? <clears throat> like, this, this is basically just the ur form of that, where it's doing it with actual material conditions. So- this, is, um, this is the middle management way of doing that. Mm. It's adding in just a completely superfluous fucking layer of failure between two parties that really don't want to have anything to do with each other and yet are forced to because, well, one of them's forced to. I swear to God, if, if I had a landlord turned around to me and said, oh, mate, I know how you feel. I'm a renter too. I would lose my goddamn rag. Like, I, yeah. could, <laughs> I, I, I could not keep a lid on it. Yeah, anyway, something else that's been going well, and I I know we probably talk about it a little bit too much, but I do want to give you yet another uh, brief update from the world of Elon Musk and Twitter. Um, Because apart from basically just falling the fuck apart, they have had hit, you know, because the scheme to roll out Twitter blue and make millions from all the celebrities who definitely want that little blue tick, um, (laughs) is uh, they've hit on a new scheme to make money. Uh, it, It was supposed to be, according to MSNBC, it was supposed to be rolled out last thursday but i can't get it to work so maybe is this maybe the, try it is on this your the thing end. this is the thing where elon musk pretends to be his own son uh, no this is the <laughs> thing where you can uh you you can with a very easy click-through button buy stocks uh after recommendation can from I? um yes you can 
so they've they've partnered up with one of those online you know stock and derivative trading platforms um and uh yeah you basically the idea is if you search by um um not not by the usual like hashtag but by a thing called the cash tag it's basically where you switch the symbol for a dollar sign so not hashtag uh-huh. tsla but dollar sign tsla um the twitter is supposed to start showing you like the latest trading information and then provide like an easy quick link to like the trading platform so you could just like start trading right away without you know taking a pause or anything which seems like a really good idea for like a number of reasons basically they're trying to cash in on like the amc um gamestop stonks thing but like two years too late that's very relevant yeah Um, but yeah, it, it, it's looking very uh, uh, positive. So like, not only will you be able to just like buy straight up like stocks on the platform, but also naturally you will be able to buy crypto as well as other asset classes, which makes me, you know, makes me trust it even more than I already do. Um, Can we buy so an it, NFT of that picture of uh, Elon Musk with Ghislaine Maxwell? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so among the other um, asset classes you'll be able to trade are um, they, they're very popular on like e-trading <clears throat> things like the stuff that you can get on your phone, uh, which are contracts for difference, which we talked about a long time ago in relation to our, the collapse of Archegos. But basically, those have unlimited downsides, like you cannot stop losing money on them. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so, you know, that, the, 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 isn't that just shorting, Rob? it's it's like shorting but not quite the same as shorting it's i i go back and listen to a very old episode if you're really interested in knowing the difference but it's not quite the same like it's it's um uh, because shorting only works on the downside you can also use cfds for the upside basically they're mainly oh, right. used no, for upside right. yes of course sorry do you know god this and this is so sad i know it by the acronym I don't know. It's like when you, you're saying contracts difference. Like, what's that? Oh, CFDs. Yeah, of course. God damn it. I yeah, just so shoot basi- me. Just take yeah, me out the so, pasture and shoot me. Uh, uh, basically, so like you're not quite getting like a buy button on your Twitter feed itself just yet. But like it does seem like it wanna, wants to go that way. Because I was briefly reminded of like um, that the fact that Mr. Musk wants to um, make all the like make Twitter the super app basically like a one-stop shop for all your commerce and your social needs all in one and this is just like part of it except that you'll be able to buy more apes and uh you know thrilling Mm -hmm. thrilling bitcoins that i assume are doing very well also and like this just as a hypothetical scenario because i this would of course never come up in 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 real life but like imagine uh, uh uh elon himself tweeting about like how much he loves you know artisanal cookies or mangosteen or whatever the fuck and there's like a big buy button for all like the sad dogs who can't stop worshiping worshiping him but like how much and in a purely hypothetical case of course can you like front run your own trades or like buy and sell the order flow of that kind of information that like the potential for like incredible legal entanglements and you know insider trading like is limitless so i can't wait for it to be rolled out on twitter like i can't see for any way for this at all to go go wrong especially not for a company that's already like under investigation for several like inside of trading related and other uh, scams yeah this feels like the prelude to elon being done for securities fraud i can't think of any other i can't imagine any other outcome for this frankly 
the fun thing about anything that Elon Musk like actually runs is the way that there's always this like just pure strain potential for it to go completely fucked in a way that no one specifically predicts. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, like you, you could you could you could use like an analogy of like building a rocket on like a platform and then something going horribly wrong with it. I, I don't know where I'm getting that from. Actually, like here's the thing about it: like <laughs> that that rocket fuck up might be a thing that does him in because. I've had a theory for a while that the reason Elon gets away with a lot of his shit is because he's structurally useful through, like, you know, his rocket ships, essentially, and how useful that is as part of the kind of industry for the, you know, defense contractors, essentially. Like, having someone who can put shit in space is, like, it's is a structurally useful part of your economy. And he's just, like, perma-grounded that, I think, through the most ridiculous decision ever. No. He was- he, he, he's he's fucked up because this is a new one they're developing this is supposed to be like a new fucking super heavy solution and that looks like it's probably fucked for a good while but he's still got other types of rocket which have been like capable of delivering think, launches uh, and stuff here's the thing david i think they've grounded all of spacex not just the fucked rocket mm, i think the desire to put satellites up for the cheap will be something but yeah i mean it yeah. Oh, uh, one last thing I wanted to to mention, uh, uh, as does does relate to Elon Musk, because like I can't stop talking about the fucking stupidity, and also not the stupidity of the people who, who I don't understand what they see in him. But it's like apparently uh, you can buy Tesla Giga beer now. Um, it's only oh, eighty yes. pounds for three bottles of beer. I hate that. This is this is this is just Brewdog again, but for even bigger cunts. Yeah, um, it, 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 the bottles, by the way, are supposed to look like uh, Tesla trucks. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll quote you Fuck a little off. bit from their from their marketing copy. They have a seamless gloss black sleeve and a glow in the dark giga giga water bark. Uh, Get used to wrapping your Jordan up on it because. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and speaking of brew dogs, apparently these are also brewed using an exclusive strain of cyber hops. Yeah. Well, what do they mean? <laughs> fucking company, man. Cyber oh, man. hops. Her, her next career might be in cyber farming. <laughs> Anyway, from uh, from the sublimely ridiculous, as does relate to the, the uh, cyber, to the slightly more prosaic uses of, of cyber things and much more realistic. I know, uh, James, this is something you posted up a little while ago. Um, remember when we talked a little bit a while? I'm just, I'm, I'm suddenly filled with dread at Rob preemptively patching the blame onto me for this one, whatever it is. Oh dear. Go on, Rob. I mean, Rob, you remember it? when we said about like the, the, the upside of all this abs bullshit is that the cops would most likely be too lazy to deal with any of it? And we would be uh-huh. right, uh, because it, it ter- as it turns out, uh, at least from the period of like 2006 to 2015 or something, uh, one of Scotland's biggest police call centers or like control rooms oh, yes. uh, ran for years a fake call sign, literally called D-U-M-Y, so just dummy. Um, which let them fake response numbers to like for their for their number fucking for their statistics to show that they were way higher than they actually were without you know actually doing anything or going out to like an emergency call or anything like that. So how this would work is the dummy system would show on like the register of calls in like the emergency call room or the control center, whatever it's called, um, mm. that 
you would like operators would park calls on this list, which would sh formally show on like the real on like the official register that the calls have been dealt with. But instead, they were basically parked on a separate like callback list, um, like you know we'll get to you later kind of list. And sometimes mm -hmm. would be they would actually be dealt with you know not within the demanded time frame, uh, but a little bit later. But most times not they were just basically not handled uh, whatsoever. So how yeah. it would work, uh, how it would work is that basically when you call emergency services, you get patched through to one of these control rooms, and your call gets graded on a one to five. One is threat of life or serious crime, a car, and the response time should be uh, a car needs to be there in five minutes. Uh, a level two call demands urgency; a car should be there in fifty minutes, and so on and so forth until the lowest grade, uh, level five. Uh, according Which is to turn one, up three uh, days later and shrug. Yes, pretty much. It's uh, yeah, uh, just the turn, turn up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so according to one table acquired by BBC News, uh, from the period of 9 February to 21 March 2015, 101 priority one calls, again, these are threat to life or serious crime, were shunted onto the dummy fake system. And the table suggests that out of those 101 real calls, real you know, bright red light emergency calls, only 29 of them that were shunted onto this fake system were actually taken up and investigated, which is, the system you know, works. in a way, but like that's, that's still an incredible, like, you know, fucking round of, mm -hmm. you know, let's say you call and your shit is actually on fire or like somebody is actually robbing your you house the police and you get that. shunted onto this fucking system. Yeah, well, but you know, whatever. Picking him, you know. I'm not saying there's any situation that you, are on you know fire. having the <laughs> or that having the police involved would actually make things better. But you know, still no. Uh, so, and of the just a bit lower down the rankings of the uh, in this same time period of the one just over 1,500 priority five calls, so the lowest, uh, only 447 would actually at some point be taken off this dummy reserve fake list system. Um, and then be dealt with. So, you know, like, yeah, it's lowest level stuff, but, you know, the, the chances that the police would actually come and give you the crime number, which is what they're actually for, so you can claim on your insurance, is also, basically, it's like a chance of one in three that they actually show up at all. What I love about the story, because I did a bit of a dig into it, um, this whole thing got started because the dummy queue was initially made as just like a placeholder while they were testing it. And then if they kept it when they did like partial implementation, because they didn't like roll it all out like in total immediately, they like staged it in. And so they just kept the dummy queue while they were staging it in and like, oh yeah, well, you know, we've got the dummy queue for test purposes and we also got it as like a holding pen. Um, but what you're meant to do with that dummy is just like pass it over to the existing services that you're like slowly phasing out. So if something, if, if your dummy queue starts, get being, starts being filled, that's when that gets shifted to the initial service that you're trying to replace. But what happened is they've finished the phase-in of the system, so this is now the main thing doing it, and they just kept the dummy queue because they realised they just didn't have capacity. And the you know the guy in charge was like, uh, I, I live or die on these stats, so cook the stats. Just straight up, just absolute straight up fraud. 
And uh, this, this, you know, when they found out about it, they just quietly sat on it and didn't really, you know, um, it went through multiple iterations before they finally got rid of it. Yeah, um, they did. It's, it's fucking incredible. Like they, they at some point uh, rolled out a whole new system for like managing these calls, which in a very police kind of way was, is, was or is called Storm Unity. Um, mm-hmm. And then when that system was introduced, <laughs> they like... <laughs> Police Scotland are just the biggest bunch of oh that's so fucking cool wankers you like like you know real proper police kind of hours Operation Unity Storm yeah <laughs> um, but yeah like even when that new like system was rolled out and put in place like the 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 local senior staff at this at the what is at, at the Bilston Glen call center like they put the dummy system back in place because they really mm-hmm. liked how that could manage you know their number wankstein and make them hit their target statistic every month uh, mm-hmm. it's just <laughs> it's okay incredible like the- apparently Sorry, James. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, like, the, the other thing about it is how it worked in practice is the most, like, you, you know this and don't need to be told it thing ever. It was, uh, is it an urgent call in a postcode that doesn't matter? Stick it in a dummy queue and focus attention on the people who are actually important and likely to complain. Like, just the thing that we all know the police do anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, wonderful stuff. Like, the more things change, etc. Yeah, no, it's 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 but you know it's a, it's a, it's another. I'm always happy to see that you know the nation's police services are spending their time on you know protecting the public or whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. That is not their job, and we all know it. But like to just literally like not just have a system, but like redesign and then reintroduce a whole system to make you know your to make your number work is a truly truly incredible you know way way of handling society. Uh, I mean, I know it would surprise most of our listeners that this goes on, but like to have, you know, written proof of it uh, uh, is is quite something else. I can only hope that just like the way that statistically that all fell through, every single thing that the cops didn't show up for actually turned out to be a good thing. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much the, the only thing um, we can hope for, because otherwise police might start to be used for other things. And that's basically what I wanted to spend the rest of well, not the whole of the rest of our evening, but like quite a bit of our time on. Um, so oh, good. I, I've been interested and we talked a little while ago for a, for a while about like that the Tory party is getting like really strange with it. Apart from, you know, having Liz Truss and Boris Johnson and all that jazz, like they seem to be sort of in a in a in a very sort of state of confusion as to where they want to go next, especially since everybody and their cat seems to be pre- predicting that they'll lose the next election. So like you already start to see these like various types of emanations as to like where the Tory party is going to go next. You know, are they going to be culture warriors or like true like free market lunatics like Liz Truss or, you know, are they going to revert I mean, back I think, to that weird like i think they're gonna they're gonna go for sex crimes and apartheid i think that's their uh <laughs> the end game well the uh, <laughs> yeah so um the very very uh, uh possibly yes and but i think like in 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 part the why the tory party has gotten so strange is because they obviously for very obvious answers they have not been able to write like a real answer to like 
Brexit and what it was supposed to deliver for people. You know, if it was about taking back control, I don't think anybody feels more in control, not like the mythical Red Wall voter and, you know, Stephen, Stephenage Mavis or whoever the folks, who the fuck was supposed to be. So I mean, they're still looking was, was for the, was the that end game, answer. Was the end know? goal of Brexit not that cheese should cost more than cork? Because I think we got that. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, in search of that answer, like May tried, you know, the whole uh, citizens of nowhere versus somewhere. Uh, Boris just tried to sort of skate by on his charisma or whatever it is. Uh, Trust, like I said, tried to do like max economic freedom. And I don't know what Sunak's really doing, but like it seems to be more like sort of old school London city, like capital based Tory things with like some cheap red meat for the for the base you know like the all the bullshit they're doing about trans issues all that stuff that's just something to keep the sun happy with um wasn't he talking about fucking unicorns the other day or something uh yeah he was unicorn britain unicorn britain but like the the rishi sunak strategy is dead simple and it's it's i think it's correct um it's keep your head down and let kiyostama fuck it up yep that is his strategy and i think it's working I'll Very funny to use the Starmer strategy against Starmer and have it be effective. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, like, in, in terms of, like, basically, like, the Tory party management, it's like, you can't make the promises, or at least the implied promises of Brexit work, because they're trying to square, like, several circles all at the same time. Like, how do you build or rebuild a great britain while not touching any of the levers of capitalism and sort of relying on the old pathways like you can't really do it you let everyone die and hope someone invents like a fucking patriotic robot Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, imagine if if every single person in the country was replaced with some kind of Roomba they would they would absolutely (laughs) like clean for the king so they 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 couldn't stop actually (laughs) But then, you know, there's one fatal flaw in your plan, Jamie, is is who would empty the Roombas? When they get full, if, you just, like, herd them into a fucking trench and bury them, I don't know. <laughs> You're from the garden again. What do we do with all I do like the idea currently? of, like, a Cheops, like a Cheops pyramids, but, like, instead of big blocks of stone, it's all just discarded Roombas. <laughs> like a burial tomb. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, we bury Charles some inside kind of it. elephant graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Henry's Hollow. <laughs> oh. So like I said, we've had like One Nation, Cameron Style, Soft Tories, Liz Truss. You know, we cannot, the Tory party cannot be failed only by woke members of the civil service or something. And now there's this sort of new shard, this new idea or or old ideas that they're repackaging called um, National Conservatism Tories. And that's what I wanted to talk about uh, today. Because they're having, next month, they're having their big like sort of coming out public conference where they're going to talk about their big ideas and, you know, showcase what they think the future for Britain is under a renewed and reinvigorated Tory party sort of led by, um, it's not a thing, but just for shorthand, by like 2019 new intake Red Wall MPs who want to like rebuild their local communities, but also execute travelers and migrants at the same time. Oh, um, right. 
I've just I'm I'm right to be totally honest, Rob. I read a little bit of this earlier and I stopped because I started getting too angry. But it's just occurred to me, you know, national conservatives, you know, nat conservatives, nat cons, Nazis. Are we in the right like you know? Are we in the right ballpark for this? Is that where this is going? I mean, I I don't know. It's. Let me just talk you through it, and then I will leave you, the listener, uh, uh, and you, James, to... You can draw your own conclusions as to what these people are up to and what they think the solutions are. So, like I said, oh, they have God. this big... Um, it's like a two- or three-day conference. Uh, their headline speakers include, like, Jacob Rees-Mogg... Um, Michael Gove is going to be there, Swella Braveman, uh, but also noted caliper guy Douglas Murray, uh, noted turf Melody Phillips, uh, spiked true OGs Frank Freddy and David Goodhart. Basically, everybody mm-hmm. who's anybody in GB News is going to be there. Um, noted book eater and anti-woke elite guy Math- Matthew Goodl- Goodwin, uh, lately of Navarra. Um, ba- <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, another panelist is barely concealed American neo-fash reportee Andy Ngo. I don't know exactly how you, how you pronounce that, but he's fash, so fuck him. Um, is it just, is it also, just no? I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah. All right. Uh, there's also going to be like an assortment of Heritage Foundation freaks from the US. Oh, and also Darren Grimes is going to be in the panel. So, you know, that's just... just um, oh, and also one of his uh, podcast guests, uh, David Starkey, who you might remember as the oh, historian. that cunt. Yeah. I hope this is taking uh, place somewhere flammable. <laughs> no it's taking uh, place if- somewhere inflammable jamie <laughs> um so if you don't remember who david starkey is he was last seen on tv where he was previously an often invited guest when in response to the black Lives matter protests uh, said that slavery was not genocide otherwise there wouldn't be so many damn blacks in africa or in britain would there an awful lot of them survived so you know, oh. hasn't he got previous as well though? Didn't he kick off? Oh, he's got a very long list of fucking priors. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Huge. Um, this is also um, the the UK edition of this national conservative uh, movement. So as I said, there's a lot of freaks from the US Heritage Foundation. Uh, they've done a, a number of the same conferences, essentially all over the US, but also in Brussels. I think in Italy, they've like they're they're all over the place. This is very much like a a, a global network where previous speakers have included the neo-fash uh, PM of uh, Italy, Giorgia Maloney, uh, who likes to talk about cultural Marxisms uh, and woke people undermining religion and their traditional family. Draw your own conclusions as to what she means there, as well as Victor. Orban, who gave a rousing speech about protecting Christian democracy, uh, and you mm. better believe you know what he's on about when he says that. So, like, I mm. the, normally I don't think we, or at least I would like pay attention to like just a a crank conference for like a, a, a small group of caliper wielding weirdos, but like this is a bit bigger and like it has a significant shot of like the tory party on its side and also like this is this is how certainly on on the right and the far right this is how ideology gets formed through like these weirdly well-funded think tanks small cadres of true believers with like high levels of access to the mainstream press you know this is this is how that gets done uh, i should also say specifically is this, um is this what if britannia unchained was a live event 
It sort of is, but it also isn't because Britannia Unchained um, uh, is. I, I did that a long while ago. I read that with Sinan mm. for one of his streams. Um, Britannia Unchained is very much a Tufton Street project. It's very much like um, economic libertarianism. It's like you know, no borders, all trade must be free. And if the if if the trade was super free uh, and the market would be super free, everybody would be the happiest. Um, but and also mixed in with, you know, bullshit about trans people and cultural Marxism, as usual, the, the red meat that yeah, underlies yeah, yeah. all this. But this is not that because specifically when they talk about national conservatism, they do come right out and say, actually, though, no, we don't want, um, like we want free markets and free commerce, but we also think there should be state intervention and state support for critical industries and you know tariff barriers for for if it is deemed to be in the national interest. So it is very much like within the sphere of the nation, within its borders, there should be max economic freedoms, but it, it there should be big barriers between you and like the ebbs and flows of global capitalism, like between the, the, the you know. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we've not got into this enough. But if I was to say, is this like, um, what if what if one nation Tories were like a thing that wasn't a scoffed at idea again? Is that what this is? Is it just them? Sort kind of, of yeah. I mean, in 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 my in my brain, like I always sort of associate one nation Tories with a kind of very also kind of socially liberal kind of softly 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 toryism you know where it's like mm -hmm. uh uh we want free yeah, markets you're, you're but ken clarks and david yes. davises etc yes traditional very traditional liberal economically liberal socially liberal that kind of you know people should be free to be who they are in their own personal lives um as long as they interface with the market in the in the correct liberal fashion uh this is much yeah. more like this is much more uh, post-2016 US Republicans, that's who you have to think of. Because it, it originally Ooh. originally comes from um, a foundation which has a like a non-existent website and like it's hard to find information about called the Edmund Burke Foundation, which is basically uh, another vehicle of the, like the the US donor class of Republicans. Uh, with very strong ties to the current Israeli government, uh, groups like Christians for Israel, all that. Like, think think Trump. It's very Trumpian in that way. It's like, you know, uh, uh, America first. When Trump said America first, what these people mean is Britain first. Um, uh, so basically... <laughs> but no, not like that. <laughs> no, not like that. I mean, it, it, yeah. Um, so basically, it, yeah. So what they want to do is like export the sort of Trump-like model of railing against globalists, by which they mean cultural Marxists, by which, of course, they mean, you know, um, yeah. while, still, while still being in love with capitalism. So they're trying to square those two things. Like the excesses of capitalism are perpetrated by a global elite that meets in Davos, which is bad because that's crony capitalism and, and globalist. But local capitalism on a national yeah, what level if the global is global elite met here. <laughs> sort of, but also specifically they have to be British and also white. Um so it's um, it's a sort of like it, it is a sort of form of national capitalism mixed in with a certain if you're of the right population class, let me put it that way. There's also a certain level of national socialism in it for you mm. uh, in, in, in its most like literal doing, meaning. Yeah, Davos upon Thames, but with better uniforms.
Yes, that would not be a better way of framing it. Just and just so you get uh, a flavor of this this conference uh, itself, uh, some of the panel sessions include um, Britain and the West in a biopolitical age. What? And if you're wondering, that's a weird title. Well, what they mean is um, white people should have more children because we are being flooded by other races. Um, oh, okay. I, right, I thought that was going to be some like um, fucking lockdown was bad shit, but that's um, yeah. Okay. Like, that, that's, that's three steps. Well. That's three steps further in than that. Okay. Uh, the talks include or or talk titles include. This is directly from their website. Accepting difference and the case for having kids. Um, uh-huh. That particular mm-hmm. one, by the way, is by a woman called Louise Perry, who essentially wants to turn the clock all the way back to on the 1960s sexual revolution and have more traditional families. Uh, uh-huh. you know. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is it me, or does conservatism lately just more and more resemble paedophiles worried by ecological collapse? <laughs> Like every fucking 20 minutes, they're like, we need more kids. Better get making some more fucking kids up in here. <laughs> Just incredibly sus to my mind. The market is shrinking. Yeah. And also, I'm sitting here going like... The okay, Venn diagrams are to... collapsing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want to take us back to the 1960s. Okay, can we go back to 1960s proportionate salaries, please? And no, like compensation no, no. And no. Any of that? No? Okay. No. Uh, there's also going to be a panel on national identity and culture featuring, uh, like I said, spiked OGs, David Goodart and Frank Ferretti, both of whom uh, talk oh. a lot about the white working class and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a delightful, by the way, uh, uh, they've hired at the Natural History Museum and the key uh, uh, fancy dinner speaker will be Douglas Murray, caliper guy supreme. You know, the guy who... Presumably, even, yeah. Presumably the reason it's at the museum is because of them at fucking Skulls House still. I, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that they've booked out the Natural History Museum and then gave it, then gave Douglas Murray a podium. A guy, like, who even by the standards of the depravity of British media gets a hard time getting a podium anymore because he's too overt with the fucking calipers. Um, mm. There's also going to be a delightful panel called National Realism and Foreign Policy, which, like I said, this is very much a <laughs> pro-borders kind of thing, which features among its speakers, which is, you know, a- another sign that I get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, um, Richard Dearlove. And if you remember who he is, he's the former head of the UK Security Services, and he's speaking on oh, this yeah. panel in this context. Excellent. Uh, and one of the last panels, and then I'll stop talking about the panels, is called God and Country, uh, which features among its uh, uh, speakers a, I think he's an American priest who's really in love with Christian democracy in Hungary and Orban, um, as well as a really... <laughs> oh, no. Uh, as well as a really weird academic who, uh, I just briefly skimmed his shit, uh, wrote a three-part long say essay... Uh, now he's a professor of something at somewhere I can't remember um, but he wrote a three part very long essay that obviously I'm not reading about um, how being able to shoot a bow is actually really important to like traditional and modern ideas of masculinity masculinity um, and who believes that Roman Catholicism is fundamentally correct but that if you read Roman Catholicism the right way Pope Francis is wrong so you shouldn't have to listen to him <laughs> Walk Francis has gone too far. 
It, 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 there's a whole strain of Catholicism that is exactly that. They're very much the yeah. return oh, with the feed crowd, but for for papists, yeah. you know, like. Um, yeah, it's like the the second Reformation. No, the first Reformation was bad enough. Like you know, it's it's real crazy <laughs> shit. Frankly, they're like we need to have the masses in Latin with a priest facing the cross with yes. their back to everyone else. Like yes. uh, oh, and the women need to wear like nets over their hair because they can't show their hair. And the, it's like real, just like absolutely crazy shit. Frankly, which is also the form of like high Anglicanism that Jacob Rees-Mogg is in love with. I think he also wrote like an article about like why Anglican services should be in Latin still, if I remember correctly, when they made that change. Um, anyway, so. That's sort of panel. That's the kind of framework we're in, we're in which this is being launched. So let's talk a little bit about the philosophy, if we can, you know, be so generous as to call it that, as to what what is national conservatism according to these people in their own words. Uh, let me just read a little bit. This is from uh, the conference website, which links to a statement of principles signed by pretty much all the US guys involved in this and already some of the people, um, including some authors on Unheard, unsurprisingly, um, who have signed up to this thing. So again, this is from their website. The past and future of conservatism are inextricably idea linked to the ideas of the nation, to the principle of national independence, and to the revival of the unique national traditions that alone have the power to bind the people together and bring about their flourishing. What Morris Danson. We, I mean, th th this first sentence, you could almost, like, if you if you switch a couple words around, you could have put this in the words of Keir Starmer as well. Um, so, mm -hmm. We see national conservatism as the best path forward for a democratic world confronted by a rising China abroad and a powerful new Marxism <laughs> at home. Oh. <laughs> We've got Marxism at home. <laughs> <laughs> Marxism at home, it's John McDonnell. <laughs> Please sign my petition. Um <laughs> Uh, the, the famous lost chapter of the Communist Manifesto was please sign up. Just, please go to change.org. Um. I'm just I'm just picturing that triangle and it's like, um, you know, what's your stance on, you know, uh, Marxism? And one corner is we've got Marxism at home. Uh, the other corner is, you know, uh, Marxism, Marxism, Marxism. And the final corner is, uh, you know, Pulling, pulling into the drive-thru and ordering one Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know? Like, uh... <laughs> we see the rich tradition of national conservative thought as, a as an intellectually serious alternative to the excesses of purist, li purist libertarianism. That's the trust thing, essentially. That's also why this is not Tufton Street. And in stark opposition to the political theories grounded in race. So they are trying to make out like they are not racist. They would like to repeat very several times. They all wear a T-shirt saying, I am not racist. And when we should all take like, them you know, seriously. Policies grounded in race. What they mean is the idea that racism is real. <laughs> yeah, no, actually... That that that's kind of fucking. That's just whatever because they always have that. We're not really racist, honestly. But I'm very interested in what they think the excesses of purist libertarianism are. Um, so the, the United think, Nations I, and the European Union. I don't think it's not the age of consent. Then no. I, I, do you know what I think is going on there? I think it's twofold. 
Um, uh-huh. The first part is it's it, they're basically saying um, you know uh, critical race theory or anything like it, but but they're dog whistling it rather than saying it directly. Yeah, and the uh-huh. second, it's, it's the second it, part it, it, is why can they use that word when we're not allowed to? <laughs> no, uh, the yeah, second definitely. part. The second part is them going, don't worry, markets, we're not like Liz Truss. We're not going to do the crazy conservative shit. We're going to do market stuff you like, promise. No, 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 they, 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 they outright come, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but they do come out and say, in order to achieve this perfect like n- national world where literally Britain is made great again, uh, we are mm-hmm. going to have to like put up tariff barriers and like fuck with some people and fuck with certain elements of like global capitalism to make that work. It's not it's 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 subtly different, but it is an important distinction. And basically, what they, their fundamental argument is like um, the age of global neoliberalism of you know world trade order and ever increasing flows, uh, which they call also the global world order, um, is over. Uh, and and the nation state is returning, and you may spell that with a V if you like. Um, to uh, is returning as the most important actor and protector of its own people, because we cannot, and foremost of all, should not rely on international institutions. Certainly not ones like the European Court of Human Rights. Um, so what they want to do is, and who they think this will appear to. Um, this is uh, as described by uh, Tory MP Danny Kruger, uh, who has signed this declaration and is also speaking at the conference. Uh, mm. They see their new base as traditional voters from the shires and the suburbs, together with old industrial areas that have lost faith in labor but share values. Frat- uh, fratern- they are fraternal, industrious, patriotic, and anti-establishment. This new cross-class <sighs> electoral alliance demands a new conservative radicalism. Just say- Racists, this is taking too long. Yeah. Fully marbletized and loving it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the glorious thing that they want to see? Where you know, where where should national conservatism take us? Again, this is taken from the conference webpage. Is it out we to see be the shot? Tradi- we see the tradition of independent self-governed nations as the foundation for restoring a proper public orientation towards patriotism and courage honor and loyalty religion and wisdom congregation and family man and woman the sabbath and the sacred and reason and justice what the fuck so yeah i'm I'm looking incredibly returned with a v all this yeah Totally, totally fucking out of character for someone else to be reading the notes at the same time. But I assume you copied and pasted that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I no, I wrote this myself whilst you know <laughs> doing little Hitler moustaches no, with one hand. Like the, the, the reason that I'm asking <laughs> is that honor is not spelt properly. It's spelt without a U. So yeah. what yank fuck have they got to write this shit? I mean, like I said, this originally all comes from like American think tanks. So like the the Declaration of Principles is very much written from an American perspective because they'd also reference at some point it references references like the American Constitution and stuff. But like, you know, apart from that, this is what they what they was to like have happen. Blah, blah. We are conservative because we see such virtues as essential to sustaining our civilization. So this is very much a mission about 
you know, protecting Western civilization from decline or immigration, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And that if, if we do not have these values, uh, we will not maintain our freedom, security and prosperity. So there's definitely like a threat and an other, both external in the case of like China and the WTO, as well as internal in terms of cultural Marxist, oh, and I don't know if I mentioned it before, but immigration, definitely immigration is a, is a bit, could course. be a bit of a problem. It was implied with the racism. Mm. So there are 10 principles. Uh, again, this is all signed up by all the Americans who are coming, but also by a number of the British yes. attendees. Um, Give me the so 10 the pledges, prin- let's go. Yeah, ten, exactly. Uh, first pledge is national independence. Basically, all nations are on their own, should be on their own, um, should not like submit themselves to transnational organizations like the European Union or even the United Nations or, again, the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, because well, if I'm they glad do they so- don't support NATO. you say that jamie but like uh at the same time and this is a quote from their principles we endorse a policy of rearmament by independent nations which you know Mm. more fortress nations what could possibly go wrong also you know uh good luck getting the transnational uh, military industrial complex to play along with this but i'm sure they'll manage somehow um the second principle is a rejection of imperialism and globalism. Like I said, all nations should trade freely and often with each other, but there should be no transfer of power to supranational bodies. Um, there it is. I'm quoting a trend that pretends a trend that pretends to high moral legitimacy, even as it weakens representative government, sows public alienation and distrust, and strengthens the influence of autocratic regimes. So I mean, uh-huh. the, the really annoying thing here is there is actually half of a reasonable critique of the EU mm. in that. Um, unfortunately, it's completely fucking insincere, and it's got nothing to do with the actual, real, genuine problems of autocracy uh, uh, enabling and like technocracy in particular within the EU. So no D minus. It's also yeah, very yeah, I mean, funny, and the, the EU as as was originally fucking conceived. In the beginning was exactly what they're fucking describing here as should be happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So third principle is national government. Essentially what they're saying here is the state itself should be strong in terms of like having a big military, you know, hence the rearmament and, and stuff like that. But basically in terms of its internal organization should very much like drastically reduce the amount of civil service and administration that it does, um, uh-huh. uh, as, as well as curtailing the role of, again, this is a quote, the policymaking judiciary. So uh-huh. it should all be very, subs- you know, everybody should be subservient to like a parliament or something. So basically what they want is is a very weak, central, much more like federalist state with highly devolved powers, unless, and this is the last bit, again, I'm quoting, however, in those states or subdivisions in the state in which law and justice have been manifestly corrupted or in which lawlessness, immorality and dissolution reign, national government must intervene energetically to restore order. So basically what they're saying is uh, we want to give more powers to the nice areas that we like, which are all, <coughs> uh, you know, lightly shaded. Um, but meanwhile, we want the ability to fuck Tower Hamlets, basically. Yes. I've got to basically, say, also intervene, sh- intervene energetically is like the best euphemism for throwing batteries at a goalkeeper. 
I mean, 100%, like, you know, it's barely subtext at this point, but what they're talking about is uh, BLM or Extinction Rebellion, you know, before they went all weird and started keeping order at the London Marathon and, you know, all that jazz. Like, they're very much, you know, the in-groups, the white, you know, middle classes should be protected and given a a good life, whereas the out-groups should be intervened energetically with. Mm-hmm. The the fourth principle mm-hmm. being God and public religion. This is you know it's wild to have this back by the way. The Bible should be read as first among, as first among the sources of a shared Western civilization in schools and universities, and as the rightful inheritance of believers and non-believers alike. Where a Christian majority <laughs> exists, oh, get the fuck. <laughs> Where a Christian majority exists, public life should be rooted in Christianity and its moral vision, which should be honored by the state and other institutions, both public and private. So this... <laughs> Lenny Henry should personally be there to hand you a Bible when you go to the premiere. <laughs> uh, the fifth one is rule of law, blah, blah, blah. We believe in the law, but believe it should also be subordinate to, you know, parliamentary processes. Uh, but then at the end, of course, it says rioting, looting and other unacceptable public disorder should be swiftly put to an end. So essentially, mm-hmm. you know, just give Stephen H. Mavis like a, you know, a railgun or something, I guess. Um, this just ties back would... to the whole, like, oh, we should go back to the 50s in the way of like, social values, etc. It's just people should be better behaved. That's what they'll say. Yes, yes. So and here we get to the bit where, where uh, James, I know you were asking a little bit earlier, like about the interplay in on sort of economic terms. Like, how does this nationalism work versus like a globalized market and the free ter- trade that these people will say they love so much? So what they say is like free markets are critical to developing human health and happiness. No, I will not explain further. Um, so they are <laughs> critical, but they are not absolute. Uh, again, let me quote. Today, globalized markets allow hostile foreign powers to despoil America and other countries of their manufacturing capacity, weakening them economically and dividing them internally. At the same time, transnational corporations show little loyalty to any nation damaging public life by censoring political speech, flooding the country with dangerous and addictive substances and pornography, and promoting obsessive, destructive personal habits. This is typical transphobia. Nationalism good, but transnationalism bad. <laughs> I'm sure there's, yeah, I mean, I mean, they had to fit some sort of transphobia in somewhere, didn't they? But, like, you see what they're trying to do, right? Like, the the, the fault of of why everything is, is fucked right now and why your kids hate you um, isn't the fault of capitalism itself. It's just that the globalized market, along with, you know, shadowy global elites... Um, have somehow corrupted a pure and better marketplace. They also talk all about like crony capitalism and that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So what they very much want is like uh, uh, um, not only a national conservatism, but a national capitalism. And I can't remember who it is. I think it's Mark Fisher who talks a lot about like um, the, the breaking capital when you're talking about the, the Brexit vote, you know, like the people who work in the big glo- global banks in the London city are Remainers because they see, you know, their value proposition is being everywhere all the time, all at once versus like the more local shards, you know, of 
of capital, the local bourgeoisie who are rooted in their region, like the people with like a 500 person engineering firm or something based in Derby or whatever the fuck that only has British contracts rightly sees, you know, the London city variety as a threat to its continued existence. So what they're aiming for is that second part. They want, you know, the, the, like the JCBs of this world, they want them to continue existing. Whereas, you know, um, the Disney Corporation, for example, that is not only transnational, but also bringing, you know, wicked attitudes of, you know, gender and cultural Marxism into your kid's school. Those should be gone. It's again, I can't stress enough how much these people want to return with a V to, you know, uh, stealing a line from Riley here from Trash Future, but they want to go back to living in the painting they all have in their heads. And this is the way that economically they think that that would uh, work out. They want Disney to return specifically to the the values of Walt Disney himself. Yes, very much so. Big big fans of Zippity Doodah. Like, you know, as you're you're kind of saying that, I'm, I'm definitely hearing... Like as you're reading and quoting from them when they're talking about their economic policy and everything that's wrong, I'm definitely hearing a lot of brackets. I'm hearing a lot of brackets kind of <laughs> dropping into place in yeah. those sentences. You, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Although on the arm, on the other hand, they will get Paul Mason's vote because they do think state intervention is okay uh, to further national national defense. So you know, Paul Mason, your time is now. You can become a national conservative at long last. Um, oh, that's how he finally gets into Parliament curse timeline. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this is how you know that it's not a tough and sheet project. They also think that the nation and the state should spend money on um, the public welfare. And let me define that further with the next one, which is called... That sounds mm-hmm. like it's got an asterisk. It does. Uh, that's the next principle. Principle uh, is and that's called family and children. We believe the traditional mm. family, the traditional family, is the source of society's virtues and deserves greater support from public policy. The traditional family, built around a lifelong bond between a man and a woman, and on a lifelong bond between parents and children, is the foundation of all other achievements of our civilization. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like in this sense, it's okay to have social welfare and expenditure. Like there's a, they, they do a lot of stuff. It's like if women choose to be at home with their children, the state should support, provide money for that. But like on, on you know, if you just take that little sound clip there, I would say, yeah, I agree. But what these people mean is white mothers having a lot of white children. Like we should be very fucking clear on that. And also they should yeah. only have have the right to do that if their, you know, husband goes out to the Paul Mason factory to build Ajaxes. Um, uh, it's only done from a place of, um, it's so that you can produce more workers that value can be extracted from, not that you're recognising that domestic work is work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's also very much about gender roles, you know, the mm-hmm. marriages between a man and a woman. I mean, this is that US Christian right thing, which... Like, we don't really have, and I don't think that can land in Britain in the same way as it does in the US, but, like, it's definitely in here, you know. (laughs) I will refer you to the massive amount of votes in the Scottish election. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. Let's let's close that door before we open it. Um, (laughs) Just saying. 
so yeah so what they also say is like we do need a lot of public investment and research like they want to build again and this is like an idea that come that i not the first time i heard it but that that i really remember as a big thing under dominic cummings is like we britain needs to have its own like darpa like the v defense advanced research projects you know like to to do moonshot shit to build the next internet because that was done with public funding um, so, you know, again, purely on its own terms, that's something we would agree in. Uh, but then, of course, there comes the giant asterisks. Again, let me read. On the other hand, we recognize that most universities are, at this point, partisan and globalist in their orientation and mm -hmm. vehemently opposed to nationalist and conservative ideas. Such institutions do not deserve taxpayer support unless they rededicate themselves to the national interest. Educational policy should serve manifest national needs. So, you know. You should go from your traditional family where the husbands beat the shit out of their wives into a sort of Brigham Young style private university setup where, you know, you are not allowed to hold hands between classes or something. And also and, you learn numbers, you learn maths. Yeah, and, and also like, you know, they'll, they'll bring back the 11 pluses or something like that, won't they? Yeah, in That's practical kind of, terms, mm. that, that, that is, yeah. Um, so then the next principle, would you believe, uh, is immigration. Uh, so they start off by saying, look, immigration is fundamentally good because it brings, you know, new things and sources of stuff to the national identity. So they're not purely against migration unless, of course, it threatens the strength and dynamism of the nation or dissolves the political community. Hmm. Now that is a fucking weighted phrase. Dissolves the political community i wonder yes. what the political community is and how it could be dissolved like in well, acid do, do they do they mean that immigration like they're gonna do acid attacks something like that no. no do they mean like slipping away into the sea through erosion nope nope there's something else they're talking about there damn some yeah. sort of impurity has been placed on this um pristine surface which we have created hmm D damn it, my political community keeps sitting in the front of the bus where it's not supposed to. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, uh, yeah. uh, 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 until... This is incredible, by the way. Until the nation itself, so in this case Britain, can figure out a balanced, productive, and assimilationist policy for migration, uh, you're actually fine to do a total moratorium on immigration. So, you know, we just have to figure that out first and then we can let people back in. Don't worry about it. That's definitely something that's going to happen. However, they so also... Saying, this is, so, hang on, sorry. you're saying that they're not going to let immigration continue. They're not going to bring more people in until they work out a solution for the people who are already here. Uh, uh, they just want to make sure that whatever migration policy comes up next is balanced, productive and assimilationist or defined mm, values that we you know understand that we all understand points um and then the 10th point just to round it off and make sure that these these people are not racist uh they say uh the the 10th point the 10th principle is actually race um racism is bad and <laughs> racism should racism is bad should be rejected you know blah -de blah -de blah um because the cultural sympathies encouraged by a decent nationalism offer a sound basis for conciliation and unity among diverse community uh, communities. 
the nationalism we espouse respects and indeed combines the unique needs of a particular minority community with the common good of the nation as a whole. So it's, you right, know... So, yeah, so you can have some of the good ones and that's okay. Yes. So that's a lot of, like, broad stroke stuff. Uh, it's also very American. Um, so if you're wondering how does that apply in, you know, near future practice to Britain itself, so helpfully... Um, one of the guys I mentioned, uh, Tory MP Danny Kruger, who is on the panel and I think signed this declaration as well, got given space uh, in the New Statesman to write a long-form article about national conservatism because, of course, he got oh, space good. in the fucking New Statesman. Uh, I'm, I'm going to summarize his argument as briefly as I can because it's a very long piece. Uh, basically, uh, Brexit was to take... The main goal of Brexit was not to exit the European Union, but to take back control of our borders. But this project so far in, you know, what is it has been now almost nine years, I think, since the referendum. Uh, none of this mm -hmm. has happened. Uh, why, you ask? Uh, well, let me give you a quick quote. Uh, because of because establishment we were never in of the Schengen zone in the first place. No, it's it's almost that. It's the other thing. Uh, because we've been stymied by establishment opinion, the axis of liberalism that runs from the City of London to the Labour front bench, through the universities, the civil service, and the media. Uh-huh. So there, there are these... This is... Sorry, this it's is straight the deep up... State. No, th yes. this, is, this, is, this is stabbed in the back narrative, except it's been... It is. You know, it, 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 it's by the uh, rootless cosmopolitans rather than the, uh, oh, what was the other one again? Like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it's the citizens of nowhere mm. and, you know, the cultural Marxists who are stopping true, honest, patriotic Brits from achieving their full potential and working in the Ajax mines, essentially. Uh, the Port Mason Memorial mm. Ajax mines. Um, so, <laughs> If only people also, weren't so woke, we could export more eels or some shit. Fuck off. So the also the cause of the housing crisis and the NHS crisis is all the fault of illegal immigration, blah, blah, blah. They are being put up in fancy hotels. We don't know that this is all bullshit. This is just a giant dog whistle, but, you know. However, yeah. he does go on to say, which is, I found, not interesting, but gross at the same time, uh, that legal immigration is also fundamentally bad because it so stops uh -huh. suitably trained and incentivized Brits to do the jobs that migrants do yeah, now. And I... Yeah. Essentially, um, because we still have legal migration in Britain, um, that that stops because they can still import workers. That means British companies don't invest in technology or people because they can just get workers from abroad legally. Um, and that leaves good young British white citizens to either basically rack up debts and become gay cultural Marxists uh, because of our universities or, quote, cool. join some low productivity firm or public service. And basically because we can either go into debt and become uh, trans, I guess, or, you know, have unfulfilling lives being stupid in the public service. And that is what leads to crime, addiction and depression. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not mm -hmm. only illegal immigration, well, they, but it's legal as well. I mean, we, we do admit it, Rob. We say be gay, do crime. So Yeah, you know, my yeah. man's seen a meme and shot himself. <laughs> this is so fucking grim. I'm sorry. This is god-awful. I thought you would enjoy this uh, particularly. Uh, blah, blah. There's, of course, a whole section on cultural Marxism, um, which has led to nihilism. And in, in this is where it gets real funky with it. 
Um, the current mode of cultural Marxism and, and debates about gender and race, essentially, uh, has led the current generation to embrace uh, Nietzsche instead of Marx. Um, you know, by today's many liberals and many genders of university graduates, quote, in the new religion, not Karl Marx, but Friedrich Nietzsche is the prophet. Everything is reduced to nothing, destroying the foundations of a civilization that was built with care and sacrifice over centuries. That's because the modern liberal doesn't care about worker rights anymore, but is just obsessed with genders. Just like, it doesn't He's been reading my me. posting about the Labour Party. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that these fuckers have only heard the Nazi version of Nietzsche, basically, right? Because um, that's where they're going with this. Because he's he's not like that wasn't his philosophy. It really wasn't, and he like his philosophy wasn't in and of itself bad. Like his main philosophy was like, oh man, it appears we're approaching like an end of history where like all the traditional institutions no longer work. And rather than just go, well, I guess we've got that sorted then, he said, well, we need to find a basis for some kind of happiness and morality that isn't dependent upon these ancient conservative institutions. That's not nihilism. In fact, it was his entire life work to try and like do something other than nihilism. And you know, like after he got institutionalized, his sister took like his work and rewrote it to be like, you know, more Nazi based, frankly, and um, palatable to their regime. And so, you know, the, the, the nihilism of it all and the only answer to nihilism being like the, you know, pursuit of power, that became the main focus of it. And uh, yeah, this is just this is just a historical, a philosophical doggerel. It's, it's actually yeah, just really it, disgusting. I, it, I, I'm not even that big a niche guy. I, I, I'm not really into him. I think he's pretty niche. But, like, you know, give the give the guy his due. That's not what he's about. And that is in no way, shape, or form connected to... Uh, I mean, you say I this, but it. on the other hand, my dog can't stop barking. I don't know what's up with him at the moment. Um, <laughs> So essentially to overcome all these like civilizational and real economic concerns, um, he suggests bracingly that uh, Rishi Sunak should therefore embrace the principles and philosophies of national conservatism on the basis that it's really been working out electorally well. And the specific people that he cites are uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, which I'm going to say, well, we'll see how that goes, um, mm. as well as Giorgia Maloney in Italy. And again, that's just neo-fascists in government. Um, yeah. However, he does he does then specifically say um, that those people, as well as Viktor Orban in Hungary, are a little bit like too fash, but national uh, conservatism can remain like good and open and honest and you know British uh, and plural, um, while also doing good things. Uh, however. Here come this is this is like the policy of for now. So here we get into like what 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 does it what does he mean by national conservatism? What should that look like? And this is, you know, links nicely in with some previous episodes of ours. The heart and start of our offer to these voters, so again, that's the you know traditional Tory voter plus the left behinds ex-Labour red wall, blah blah bullshit. The heart, and, the heart and start of the offer to these voters is to take back control of our streets and our borders. That means tough action against crime and low-level yobbery. That's a great word. Um, and continued investment in our armed forces to reverse the cuts of recent decades. And it means fixing our broken asylum system. By which he means right. the new illegal immigration bill is good, actually, but could go a little bit further. Uh, he also says explicitly... I love that they always, they always point out low-level yobbery. Like, so we've got to stamp <laughs> these guys out before they grind too much and come back as high-level yobs. 
<laughs> with like enchanted weapons and armor. <laughs> Maybe he's just been playing that um, that ship mafia game that I keep getting ads for. You know, level fifty nine <laughs> mafia don. Once you get those, yeah. your society's fucked, mate. You know, you've got to you've got to stop the problem before they get access to level twenty yob spells. Yeah, no. Look out! He's look out! He's got a purple can of Stella. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the hoodies in my local town have prestiged, and now we can't stop them anymore. Um. The 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 hoodie is integral to the set bonus. Otherwise, the build doesn't work. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I said, the new illegal immigration bill is good, but could go further. Specifically, uh, we should the Britain should get out of the European uh, Court for Human Rights because you know supernatural just uh-huh. uh, judges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we should also remove the Gender Recognition Act as well as the 2010 Equality Acts because those things have actually made things worse, not better. Because now those opposite minorities have legal backing to open their mouth rather than wait quietly for you know white people to make things better for them. Um, they he also says that should be helpful the family to buy a house look after kids care for parents as they age that should be done through good family wages as well as a tax a tax system that incentivizes and supports couples to have children but they those couples who have children should have a greater choice on how that money is used so what he's talking about is school vouchers and academies this is Which is because when you said the family, I immediately assumed level fifty nine mafia boss. Yeah. <laughs> when they say when they say support for the family, what they mean is support for the patriarch. Like, like yes. you know, like it's Very going back so. to the whole every payment, every support you get from the government goes to the man of the house. The woman's barefooting in the kitchen, and the children are being sent along to well, I don't know what they'll call the equivalent of Hitler Youth under this, but like you know, probably can I don't know National Conservative Youth of some kind. Some, some, something along those lines, yeah, yeah. Um, so that he also describes like a sort of an economics package. So again, this is very much in line with the principles that we talked about before. Britain should be more national, but also remain a free trading economy. So what that means mm-hmm. is uh, more state support for things the UK is already good at. Uh, he, he he helpfully lists some of them. Uh, he says oh, sea good. power. Yeah, which, we're driving <laughs> at that. All the ships we eat work. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, the, we talked about the carriers for a whole episode. They're great. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Agri-tech, which, all right, sure. Uh, then he yep, just says... Soil's adv- dead in the next 30 years. That's, that's good, yep. <laughs> as well as advanced manufacturing. No, he will not explain any further because there's apparently something mm-hmm. the UK is already good at. As well as, as multiple... As well as multiple other applications of our excellence in science... No, we will That's not bring somebody's. <laughs> Do you know, listening to that, it's just, it suddenly struck me, Rob, we're not good at literally any of that at all no. anymore. No. Like, not even, like, not even the fucking ephemeral research in science. We're not, we're, we're not. It's like Oxford and Cambridge get a bit of support in it, and everything else is fucking convert, being eaten alive by their business schools, parasiting them all. Yeah, um, I'm updating. Um, I'm updating. We used to build shit. To we used to be capable of things. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like, none of that is true. It's in fact farcically not true. We're not good at building shit for going in the water at all. 
um, we're absolutely not leaders in agriculture and manufacturing. Are you having a fucking laugh? Like no, no, not not manufacturing, James. Advanced manufacturing. It's they're very they are important differences. More oh, robots, is that, is that the thing? Is that the thing that you just keep researching when you reach the end of a skill tree and like you've yes. got nothing else to do? Yes, sure. Yeah, the the okay. repeatable technology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, uh, in order to do these things, uh, the UK should also be more than ready, but even eager and willing to rip up like existing trade deals in order to like you know do this sort of state support. I mean, what I'm guessing he's talking about is also getting rid of the WTO at that point, because I think technically speaking, you can't do any of this stuff, I remember, of the WTO. And also, uh, <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, Britain needs to renew its uh, technological sovereignty to, quote, remove the Chinese state from our security apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> getting real mad about rules. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's kind of farcical. It's it's the whole, oh, we need to be really scared about China doing so. It's like straight up Republican. Do you know what, do you know what I think this is? I think I've cracked it. This whole thing is basically the backup plan of the Atlantic Council to make sure Britain stays on board with America's foreign policy. I think that, I think that's what this ultimately boils down to. I don't know. I, um, I, I think that's like giving the Atlantic Council way too much respect. Like they're, they're, they're dummies yeah, as well. Probably. It's just, you know. But um, I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's all about. It's all about like Anglo-centric kind of muscle line with America at all costs. Um, and if that involves going fast to do it, then so be it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I read. I mean, it, it's, honestly, it's on the other hand, about I'm really... honor and civilization wrong. So I'm I'm kind of mm. with you on that one. Like this is fully come out of America. There's no way this was written in Britain. Sorry, Rob, I mean, we both talked to I mean, on the other apologies. hand, I really am going to miss my late-night chats with Xi Jinping where you plot the downfall of, you know, decadent <laughs> Western society. Like, he's a good guy, you know, he listens. I like that. Uh, on, and specifically on housing, because he does say this is a real problem, and again, that is very true. Um, we need an audacious policy that delivers the new houses we need while respecting the desire of communities to resist ugly new developments. So, you know, he's found the synthesis. How? All, it must be rooted. All new model towns must be situated at least 16 minutes from the next place. <laughs> <laughs> well, almost. It must be rooted in the tradition of property rights, but must also break the cartel of property developers. That policy is a system of local land trusts acquiring land on behalf of communities to develop, lease, or sell homes to local people. Mm. So what if Stevenage Mavis was in control of local development? For, I can't like, see this going poorly. Totally say, but correct me if I'm wrong. Local land trusts as they exist now, are they not used? pretty much exclusively for like green energy shit is that not I, usually where a wind farm ends up i don't i don't i don't know enough about this to give you an answer on that one sorry david no okay, just um, in my experience of the community wind farms i'm aware of they came through things like that that's how they were actually able to go ahead in the first place yeah, I mean, it, it, it could very well be, but like, yeah, I mean, I very much doubt that like, also, I like the, I, 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 this is just so funny to me, it's like, all right, so if 
what we do is like we built this series of local land trust which would presumably be run by the, the parish council or whatever you know some kind of archaic stupid british institution it's like the people on those boards the people in your council or who have the ear of the council are already the cartel of property developers you would just cement mm-hmm. in the same situation you know but they would just have to make you know more um what's that what's that stupid village that that uh that charles has built it's not poundbury but what's it called again not cadbury but um Baroness that's a model village of prince charles <laughs> Um, was it not Poundbury or some shit like that? It, was, it, was I, it might something. be. It's, but essentially what they want is that. Uh, and all of this, basically, all these great things will not will deliver for the British people a thing that he calls the equality of condition, wherein people in every part of the country have a decent shot at a good life. So not a guarantee, you know, you just, you will have a decent shot. And if you fail... The equality of condition... Every one of the crabs will remain in the bucket. <laughs> Speaking of remaining, I've looked it up, and uh, you're half right. It was pouncing upon Tampax. So, um, so, and if you're wondering, and this is the end of of uh, of this guy's piece as well, why should you trust the Tories to like do any of this after 13 years of you know not doing any of this? Well, that's because in 2019. By stealth, and you may not have noticed it, there was actually a brand new government, a very different one, with a new voter coalition that loves national conservatism, which wasn't in place before. So it's only now that it can be tried in its true and its best form, unlike all these other conservative things that have been tried before or not. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, like, wrapping this up, right, what, 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 what is this? What is this national conservatism? What are they trying to do? Well, I mean, I think unironically, like, what they're trying to build is a strong Britain great nation, um, but, like, only for its own culture, its white culture, and its own white people who are now either, you know, tell themselves that they are or perceive themselves to be threatened with dilution through migration. That is, you should interpret that about as racistly as, you know, these people incentivize it. What they are genuinely trying Mm. to do is create like a a sort of mid-layer of socialism or state benefits, but only for the in-group, which is white, heterosexual, married people, where maybe the woman stays at home, but, you know, as James was saying, is that is once again patriarchal and goes back to, to live in, in the painting. Now, of course, all of this is incredibly contradictory. Like, the UK should be strong and national. It should also be free trading. The family should work hard and have a career, but also stay at home. All the in-people should be protected from the ravages of, of global capitalism, but only have a shot at a good life. None of these things are guaranteed. It's, you know, none of this... If you consider it rationally, none of this can work. However, and this is where I, I think this this type of language has more than a fair shot at making it into the national discourse, is it does build extremely well on the existing incredibly paranoid, um, uh, 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 fearful of outsider discourse and framework that we currently have in, in the media and in most places in our politics about woke about trans about black lives matter about cultural marxism it just takes all these things and just makes it one external enemy that can be combated by a national 
a national socialism for the white working classes for the for the you know for the for for, for the white property developer and the the you know the people in the shires it 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 takes those fears which are being stoked incredibly well and are not being stopped by the labor party and just says we can take it one step further and you know we can actually hold out the promise of a kind of economic safety net uh you know a state safety net and economic relief that neither the tories nor labor in its current iterations are willing to provide for you and you know it does the one thing that the current tories cannot do or refuse to do despite all their talk of leveling up which as we've discussed many times is horseshit which is treat for the good boys in the in-group and a return with a v to a long lost glorious past that you know that door was kicked open with brexit and before that to be sure as well and like these people are now waiting to step through it and maybe Maybe I'm worried about nothing and it'll just end in another failure and we just get, you know, whatever, four years or five years or eight years of mealy mouth technocracy uh, under Keith. I think we will. But, like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we this <laughs> type of thing is, like, how the Tory party mutates in the future. Because you can get everybody, well, apart from, like, the Tufton Street hardcore libertarians on board with this shit. Yeah, well, that, that's that's largely what I think this this feels like. This feels like a, it's largely a repackaging of what is already there. Like that, that, this is largely already like one. This is probably does represent the bulk of the Tory Party, like, but only when you conveniently package it in such a way because they're a fucking just pack of snakes and they've all got very competing interests, which is um, just par for the course with the fucking Westminster Parliamentary Party. This is the kind of thing that I think they will maybe they're not they're not testing this out or anything like that, but they're just kind of laying it on the table as a a possible thing to do with the next leader, at least like someone should be yeah. from this kind of platform. Because this is not Rishi Sunak, they're going to have to get rid of no, Sunak no, no, it's to not. Do this. Yeah, they would need to get rid of Sunak. They would need to put someone else in place, and I mean, like your fucking um, Braverman or. Badnock might well be the fucking person to do this. Maybe not so much Badnock because she's one of those fucking Tufton Street lunatics. But um, the I don't think there's a great risk of this. This feels like the remember when it was the fucking what was it the fucking phrenology conference that happened a while back and there was a bunch of fucking big names there and it was very yeah, yeah, very yeah, heavy yeah. on the, the Toby Young yeah, thing. If, yeah, it feels oh, Toby like Young that. by the way also an accredited speaker at this conference. Would it surprise you? Of course. So yeah, it feels like that to me. It doesn't feel like this is a thing that's like actually happening, um, and, and like as an imminent threat. But yeah, it could well be the avenue that they go and for the next time round. But I don't think we're going to get to that point because I think the the bold limit limited technocracy pish is going to be enough to to just continue uh, yeah. on after this for, election because it's going to start think, fucking winning it. The the one last thought I had, and then we'll we'll move on is is what makes this a bit more like dangerous to me is that this hooks up national conservative Tories to like the American money money hoes, you know, like mm, the, the, the yeah. Christian right dominionist weirdo billionaire funding that those guys already have. I mean, I'm sure there is already cross funding, but I think this could like open that door even further. And that, you know, given British well, Britain's famously shit laws around campaign finance, you know. Possibly. I mean, so I, there, there is there is a, a pretty strong streak, I think, of anti-Americanism um, within yeah. 
certain upper echelons of British society. Um, just a, a, a great fucking type of exceptionalism as part of being, you know, a Western nation. Uh, so I, I don't know how successful that might be on the realms of like straight up fucking government. I think that might be limited to funneling shit tons of money into astroturfing um, outrage over social issues. I don't know if that's going to have much strength getting into actual government, but I mean, we'll see. I get where you're coming from, yes. but I don't know. There's also, I mean, to be honest, depending on how they approach this, it could just be a total dud. Um, yes. Because there's pretty compelling research that shows us that, you know, trans issues, like, it turns out people will not come out and vote for pro-trans stuff. They're just not that invested in it generally, right? And when I say people, I mean the population at whole on average. They're just not, it's not an issue that gets them to go, God, yes, I must get to the polls today. However, however, anti-trans stuff, it transphobia it very much seems like it motivates people to vote against it um and the lesson that's coming out of america is everywhere they've pushed the anti-trans agenda really hard it's been a dud yeah so if they try if they go down the money hose um and they get the ideological importation of ah well you're transphobia central i guess we should you know bang on that um it might implode on contact with the electorate Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get all the mums yeah. letters, but I mean, you know, they're already uh, what was it, national, so national conservatives. Sorry, so like, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried right now. But definitely, what what I'm more concerned for is the compromise position that's somewhere between where the Tories are at now and this, and what that will look like. So yeah. stay tuned for that one. Yeah. What's the synthesis basically? Bad. Yes. Glad we squealed right. that up. Okay, okay, well, let's um let's round off episode one hundred and ninety-nine um in an appropriate way with some comment or commentary. Yeah. Commentary. <laughs> Remember, as a senator, he fought on behalf of IRA terrorists threatened with extradition. <laughs> yeah. I have long regarded Joe as a Vietnam draft dodger and no friend of the British people, even though his genes are probably more Chichester than Cavan, at least on his father's side. <laughs> Comment or commentary at? <laughs> commentary is that, the, is that the sweet, sweet sound of Brendan I hear? Jamie? I already said commentary at. You said it before I, mean, I said anything. Yeah, but I stand by it. that was in the daily express commentary the old mckinstry um no it was adrian hill who is an ex-soldier who served in vietnam and a former british diplomat now based in switzerland (laughs) Uh uh-oh just an extremely cursed cv um when did he serve in vietnam uh it doesn't say in Morley, West Yorkshire, more than 15,000 of Chesterton's secret people turned out to celebrate St. George's Day. Virtually no mention of this anywhere in the national media. The BBC, which loves to celebrate Eid, an LGBT QWERTY plus pride deal, probably considers St. George's Day racist. If there's one lesson we should have taken from the Brexit referendum and Boris's 80-seat majority underwritten by the Red Wall, 
It's that the navel-gazing, metrocentric, political media bubble doesn't speak for Britain. Trouble is, the Wokarati now have their claws in every fibre of government, local and national. Brexit was supposed to be about taking back control of our laws and borders, but even Tory MPs buy into the leftist agenda, only yesterday forcing Home Secretary Sue Ellen Braverman to shower illegal migrants with legal aid. Comment or commentary at? These days, Comment. if you say you're celebrating St George's Day, <laughs> they throw you in prison. They arrest you just for saying that you're in favour of St George killing that dragon. And this is comment. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, either, it's either comment or it's one of the speakers on the National Conservatism Conference next night. <laughs> <laughs> Commentary at Daily Mail, Richard Littlejohn. Oh, okay. Whoa! All oh, so right. Did he actually? Did he actually like style Sue Ella Braveman as Sue Ellen? Yes. Is that some also, hilarious bit he's doing? Is it? I d- I don't know. I assume so. It's racist. Also, did he start with saying that this that there were secret people who were celebrating St yes. George's Day? Yep. <laughs> yes. Are they? Are these the mole people? <laughs> I think he's getting paid to um, advertise for the upcoming Marvel series. Um. <laughs> for, for years they've been kept sealed away by the Morris dancers but their time is coming yeah the, the rights <laughs> were completed and they emerged fully formed um, the elite's erasure of the moral boundary between man and beast is now replicated <laughs> in the scrubbing away <laughs> not the moral boundary between man and beast come on we fucking need that <laughs> That shit's load bearing. You can't get rid of that. <laughs> oh, this the least is someone who's... the moral boundary between <laughs> Nico. The least erasure of the moral boundary between man and beast is now replicated in the scrubbing away of any distinction between man and machine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Animals. Oh man, we're gonna They're get They're building terminators beasts. to fuck dogs these days. You couldn't <laughs> it up. Animals should be our equals. Machines will one day be our superiors. That's yes. the dual rallying. Cl- <laughs> That's the dual rallying cry of a cultural establishment that has completely lost faith in the human species, yes. which sees us as a swarm to be managed at best <laughs> and yes. a plague on the planet at worst. Yes. This guy bull- is sitting. This guy is sitting with his open D and D monster manual, going down the monster <laughs> types, going yeah, swarm, beast, magical beast. Well, we don't have magic. Oh, cyber beast. Yeah, no, I'm loving this. The bourgeois oh. turn against ah. the Christian come modern belief in human uniqueness. <laughs> lends yes. itself very well. Monster manual. <laughs> lends itself very well to new forms of authoritarian control. <laughs> so the eco-fatalists introduce ever more stringent social measures designed to limit our polluting impact on our surroundings, while tech fatalists deploy nudge techniques, algorithmic manipulation, and outright censorship to limit the toxic influence of our bestial passions and beliefs. <laughs> this comment is or commentary at. <laughs> This is the most incredible one-star review of the Animorph series of books and TV series I've ever made. <laughs> you, you have definitely found some some amazing content here, David. Um, I kind of want this to be commentary. I kind of do because I feel like we could get a guy out of it and have some fun with it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I feel like it's comment, no. So, God, this is so good. I'm going to say comment, and if I'm wrong, I'll be happy. Okay. I want to turn over this entire podcast to whoever this is. This fucking... This is... <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> is that Jamie? Is this... It- uh, commentary, yeah. Commentary at Spiked Online, Brendan O'Neill. Amazing! The master! (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Speaking of somebody who has prestiged, holy shit, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. That's that's the bit about the in the forehead. Animals should be our equal, but machines should be our superiors. It's like, show us your deviant art, Brendan. I bet you've got some fucking filth on there. <laughs> well, we already know that at least one part of him is an inflation fetishist. Oh, man. <laughs> so powerful. Uh, Embrace the new flesh. And- <laughs> Discard your cat. <laughs> Oh. As soon as I realised the weakness of my forehead, it disgusted me. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I've got a fourth one, but you know what? I'm not even going to no, bother with it no, because it's just no, not going to compare that. No. We need to just end on the high. Unimprovable oh. by AI or, or, or gorilla. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Thank you very much for listening. Um, please do um, heed the heed the message at the start of this, which is go join the fucking Patreon. Um, we would very much like to see you on the Discord, and um, you know you can call us a cunt there as well. Um, alongside that, we've got the Twitch streams, twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast. That's Wednesday and Thursday evenings. Uh, just keep an eye out on the Twitter for times, which is at PraxisCast. And you can also get uh, t-shirts, which is praxiscast.tmail.com. Um, you should also buy them. And I think we'll call it there. I do have one piece yep. of news. Oh. Okay. So The plugs are coming from inside the podcast. The plugs are coming from inside <laughs> the podcast. Um, we're approaching the time where my life gets a lot less crazy, and as a consequence, there's some things that have been promised that will be delivered. So, an end to Elden Ring will be coming soon. There will also be the promised uh, Skyrim playthrough that several of you people wrote in and decided what we're going to do for it. But most importantly, um, we're going to try and get the stream banned by Nintendo. Uh, so we're going to do, at some point soon after its release, a stream of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So uh, if that sounds like your jam, stay tuned. Uh, more notices to follow. Cheerio. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>